Causing the Effect, a podcast focused on the exploration of your mind, body, and spirit. Super Chad Bausch. How you feeling, baby? Yeah, I'm feeling amazing, man. It's a great day to be alive. Great day to be here, man. Um, everyone, Chad is a calisthenics coach, uh, Navy veteran. I'm I'm just we were just we we got too deep before, so I hope you guys get a little deep with us now. Um, Chad, we we were just talking. I want to. There's so many things I just want to bring back that we were just chatting about, whether it be mm-hmm. the New York piece of what that created to you, and then finding this these lessons in the struggle. I'm going to let you pick which one, where you want to start. Cause that was just, um, that was hitting me hard there. Um, so I'll just start with like my background, like how it all started. Like I grew up in the Bronx, lived in the Bronx for 18 years. Um, two brothers, uh, none of, none of our fathers were ever in our lives or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that like helped us be really tough. Uh, freaking, Single mom, crazy, grew up in poverty, grew up next to the projects. I used to think that food stamps were actual money. Actually, I still remember as a kid, like, long giving food stamps. I'm like, oh, snacks I got money, bro. Like, <laughs> I go buy snacks and stuff from the store and not realizing that, that I was living in poverty. I didn't, when you're a kid, you don't understand what poverty is. Um, grew up that way. Um, wasn't into fitness at first. Was not into fitness. Not at all. Uh, it was in high school. I got into fitness. Uh, I started, wanted to play football, but I was like 4'11", 95 pounds going into high school, which is if there's any high schoolers listening to this right now, they're gonna be like, "What?" Yeah, you go look at my social media. You're like, "You were four eleven, ninety five pounds, impossible, bro." Um, so yeah, I wanted to play football. Probably not a good sport for a guy four eleven, ninety five. Um, so wanted to do that, and I had a really good coach, man, a really good coach. I'm gonna shout him out, Emilio Acevedo. To this day, he'll say that it was all me and not him. Uh, he gave me this this belief of hard work, hard work, hard work always pays off, and it was because I had a friend who worked out with me, and we both wanted to play football. And we were to work out every single day. And he made us, made us do push-ups because I couldn't bench the bar. And that was wow. the starting point for everything. Because what happened was that my friend quit on me. After two weeks, he quit on me. Like some, before summer, before um, fall ball. And then what that led to was I kept coming and showing up and working out. And then at the end of the summer, my boy showed back up. And I had to do 400 push-ups. My coach usually made me do 300 push-ups. He's like, Chad, you're going to do 400 today. He's like, your friend who hasn't been here all summer, he has to do the 300. And I looked at my coach like he was crazy. I'm like, bro, I've been here all summer working my butt off. And you're going to give me more than him. And he's been slacking, not showing up. But then in the first hour and a half, like I finished my 400 pushups. My boy wasn't done with his first 100. And something clicked in my head at that point. It was like, yo, hard work pays off. And I was getting mad recognition for my hard work, like just working hard in the gym and not having my mom there, not having my father there. It was the first time that I got appreciation for something. And it was something that I did myself. And I was getting better myself. And that, bro, that just compounded through the years, through the years, through the years. After that, I went to college, Buffalo State College, played rugby, um, got a, my first starting position ever doing anything. And that led to, <laughs> like, bro, and it was just hard work, hard work. I learned that my hard work, I could take people's spots. That was, that was big to me, man. Like, to be not noticed, I grew up in the hood and then, wanted to try to fit in in this space that I like, yo, I want acceptance. I think as a guy, there's a big thing for just wanting to be accepted into a tribe. And especially out like, if, especially if you can't get that from your family, yo, in New York, you're going to end up in a gang. If you're in New York and you do not have a tribe, your family or something there, you 
kind of probably like it sucks, but that's usually what ends up happening. You end up on the block, you end up chilling with all these people. And so I was always looking for where I could fit in. And it's kind of crazy. Now, now I look at it in hindsight, it's like I was always looking for that spot. And um, I found it in sports, I found it in fitness. I couldn't find it on the block because I'd go chill with my friends on the block and they'd want me to do these certain things. And even though I would do them, I still wouldn't get the recognition. I was doing a lot of dumb things as a kid, man, just to try to fit in. And and it was getting me nowhere. I was getting trespassing, all these other dumb things, problems with law enforcement and all this. And it just wasn't getting me anywhere, man. And it's like, uh, and I wanted people to, I want I, I, I don't want to say, I don't know, love me, like me, or like, yo, yeah. look, I'm, I'm trying, man. I'm trying. And it was it was only through fitness, man. It was only through fitness. And but by the time I made it to the level that I'm at now, I had a really big problem. There's a very big disconnect because my whole entire life, I never felt like I was that guy. I never felt like, oh, you're that guy, bro, who can get stuff done. I never felt like that guy until people started saying, you're that guy. You're that guy, bro. You're that guy. But when you live your whole entire life not thinking that you're guy, that guy, when people say it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't click. It never clicks. And it's and I started I came up with this quote. It doesn't matter if the whole entire world, if nine billion, eight billion people believe in you means absolutely shit, bro. Until you believe in yourself, nothing will ever change. And I started making that transition. I had a really good friend, social media influencer named Michael Eckert. He came out to one of my meetups. I do this big thing called Orlando Calisthenics. He was like, oh, bro, what you're doing is freaking amazing, bro. He's like. Cause I bring the community together. We work out outside. We do this once a month. It's a really big event. I do it for free for the community. We're getting like 30 to 40 people to come out, just trying to get the community moving, trying to unite Orlando. And he's like, yo, bro. Like, and I was like, yo, the community, the community. He's like, no, bro, this is you, bro. He's like, nobody would be here if it wasn't for you. Stop saying it's other people. Take ownership. You are a leader, bro. Stop, stop saying you're not a leader. Stop saying it's because of other people. And I guess it was at that point I had to, I had to really look at it. I'm like, yo, I have people who work out in the rain with me, bro. Like I have people and people look at me like, I'm, like we're crazy. Like, and I get, I can get 20 people to work out in the rain with me. And like, that's crazy, bro. Cause people don't do that. People don't, people hate the rain. People, it, 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 it's crazy. The person that I've become because of those struggles, it's, it's, I love life, bro. I'm high, I'm high off this stuff, man. It's like, it's, I, I'm happy for all the hardships. I'm happy for the poverty. I'm happy. Like, it's amazing. It's amazing, bro. Dude, that's, that's powerful, man. And like, as far as, um, like it, it's, I, I know exactly what you feel, but I, I, it sounds like you were like me where in high school, like I, I was, a, I, I went to central Florida to play football my first year in college. Mm. It was two forty. Mm. I was, I, I looked at, it, I'm like, why am I playing football? I don't even love this. It's because you know, the, the culture tells you to, and if mm. you lit and then the, then you have the voice of what everybody else tells you to do. And then you have the voice, your own voice. And I think mm. that changing that your own voice that conditioning that you had as a kid of being like, I'm not enough almost. That's what, at least that was my issue. It's like, it's hard to change that. And I think what you, what you started to do is just be yourself. It sounds like I, you found this one piece and you just kind of ran at it balls to the wall. And for people that don't see this man, this man has a chest like Arnold Jack to the gills. Um, (laughs) I can't believe it. It's crazy. Um, this, this, hardship though with the with the being the tough guy in brooklyn this is something i deal with too or the bronx how did you end up having relationships or at least relating more to women because that was always an issue for me because the way the italians view women it's more like you know yeah they're almost beneath you and it's that was always a struggle for me how did you feel that feminine or soft side coming out because you seem to have a good handle on that now at least with the family did the family bring into into a few it's kind of crazy because like i 
I fall into almost every statistic. Like I, I fall into a, and I call it an anti-statistic because everything that I went through, I feel like I was not supposed to make it, especially with, cause I had a child, uh, my daughter when I was 19 and it's because I think my father wasn't there and I just didn't understand male, female dynamics. And, uh, growing up in school and being in poverty i don't like i was just talking about this before the podcast growing up in new york is savage high school is savage as hell like here in florida you can go to school in crocs and pjs and stuff like that nobody will say anything to you god forbid if you live in new york city you go into school with adidas on they're cutting jokes on you like if you're wearing less than adidas you're wearing pay less you are going to be the they are looking to joke and clown on you if you are a man they are looking to pull your card uh, J. Cole said it in, in one of it in, in a song before, like he, he he always praised the guy like no one tests his little man, but he knows that they're gonna pull his card one day because he remembers him people trying to like mess with him and he's like, I'm a nice guy. I don't wanna I don't wanna get my card pulled, but I don't wanna like I don't wanna see like I'm not tough at the same time because for the females and all this. And I was that guy too. I was like, yo, bro, like I don't want people trying me, but I wanna be the good guy. I wanna do the right things because that's what even though me and my mom had a crazy relationship, she always told me to do the right thing, be a gentleman, be this, be work hard, do this. Like she tried to provide so many amazing values to me. But then when I try to apply this to the hood or New York City mentality, bro, it just did not, it didn't work well. I don't know why. I don't I this is the reason why I told you I can't go back to New York City. It's like they, they care about so much of the wrong things, man. It's like, they care so much about how you look, not what you bring to the table, like how hard I work, what what values can I bring? And that kind of like, it made it really hard for me, I guess with women at first, especially, cause I just didn't, I thought I had to be a cool guy. I thought I had to dress mm-hmm. this certain way. Even going into college, I was, I was buying Pradas with my refund checks because I thought mm-hmm. I had to look fly, bro. Like I was like, there was one point I had like one pair of sneakers that I could wear every single day for like two, three weeks. And like, because I was trying to fit this image of what other people wanted of me because I thought it looked better for the women. But then I, it'd be crazy because then me and my boys would go out and with these girls and stuff like that. And girls would just choose me because, just because, or just because like it had, I don't think it dealt with my style. I guess it dealt more with my demeanor, but I couldn't, I couldn't make that connection back then. I always thought it was how you look because when you get clowned your whole entire life about how you look, you think how you look is the most important thing. Like it changes your perspective. It no longer becomes when you're a kid, oh, treat me nice, share this, this, that. These things that we innately pick up on as mm-hmm. kids about happiness and feelings and community and, and communication and being there for each other. A kid sees another kid fall down. They're like, oh, you okay? You okay? Like they, they, they help each other. Mm-hmm. They don't say, oh, you messed up your sneakers, this, that. They don't care about that. Kids don't even understand. Like my, my son the other day, he went to the store and we're trying to choose some sneakers. He's like, I want those sneakers. I got a cheetah on them. They're Pumas. And in my head, I'm laughing a little bit. I'm like, damn, man. If I would have chose Pumas as a kid living in New York City, I'd get clowned. Man. You got torched. I would get clowned. I would get torched, <laughs> bro. It's like, I get clowned. And I'm like, I'm happy that I live in Florida because no one's going to mess with him because he loves the cheetah and he, lo- he he just loves what it looks like. And I think that's what it's supposed to be about. Like, go for what you love. Why? That, uh, this is really big. I. I, I wrote a quote about this the other day. I think it's the saddest thing in the world as we grow up. When you see a kid, you tell a kid, oh, be not, like, follow your dreams. It doesn't, what do you want to be when you grow up? This, this, and that. And they're like, I want to be doctors. This, yo, work hard at it. Work hard. That's really good. Go for it. Go for it. This year, it's teenage years or something like that. They say that same exact dream. You know how hard that is? You know how much effort that takes? You already, they already start planting doubt in your mind, doubt in your mind, doubt in your mind. And you start second guessing everything you do. I'm like, okay, when a kid falls down, what do you say? Yo, get back up, try again, get back up, try again, try, try, try. Yo, that kid who's 14, 15, they fall down. <laughs> look at that kid. And now what does that kid do? He's like, yo, 
I don't ever want to fall down again. I don't want to fall down again because they're going to laugh at me, bro. And now that becomes his mindset. It's like all these things that we give to kids, for some reason, we change it at some point. It's like, I digressed so far. I'm so sorry. Dude, you know, Chad, I love it. Dude, <laughs> please. No, this is fantastic. No, there's something about this having that child mentality or having that beginner mentality. That's such a beautiful thing because you're not a, like if there's the I love archetypes and the archetypes mm -hmm. is something that's kind of instilled in us as as millennia have gone past and the my favorite archetype is from the, the the jester to the king and the whole thing of that is you have to be okay with being a fool to be the wise king if you're not okay to look stupid in front of people you're never going to get through something if you start calisthenics two three weeks you're going to suck obviously i know i'm going to suck at something and i think part of that issue for this generation in particular is, is that how you look to people like how you said i'm so happy that in florida we don't got to worry about that but like i feel like through instagram my instagram oh my god it's just booties and clout and who's hanging out yeah. with fucking this and that and i'm so happy that it's not that that like reality isn't that way because even even over here it, it becomes what what are you wearing what are you doing but how yeah. how was that for you the struggle like was it always innately were you always innately a hard worker or is this something that you kind of it was bro, created. You will not believe you will not believe this, but my first job I had when I was six years old, bro. I used to wake up every single every single Sunday morning. I used to wake up at seven a.m. Go to Sea Town. That's on Cedric Ave. You guys can look that up. I don't know if it's Sea Town anymore. I used to pack bags from seven in the morning to like five o'clock, five o'clock in the afternoon, six, seven, to the store closed. I would make fifty dollars in a day, and that'd be my money. From the age twelve onward, my mom never bought me a single article of clothing. I bought all my clothes from twelve onward. I've had so many jobs. When I was like in when I was like 12, 13, I was putting flyers under the door for like pizza shops four dollars an hour. I was always grinding for money, always bro, it was so bad. Like I used to have my friend who was like a drug dealer or whatever in high, in middle school and he used to he used to get money and then I used to help him out on standardized tests because I was always the smart guy. So I started leveraging the bullies. I was like, oh, the bullies, they first wanted to try to pick on me, but then they realized how smart I was and I was really so messed up, but I was willing to help him cheat. So they'd leave me alone. They wouldn't bother me. They're like, oh, no, Chad's cool, bro. Don't mess with him. If you try to mess with Chad, we got, we got you back, Chad. So, like, it was crazy, man. I kind of lost my train of thought. But, um, bro, it, it, the, 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 that grind, it came from such an early age because I just didn't have anything. And it's like I wanted so much more. And, I, bro, I still remember to this day, like, I was so depressed as a kid, man. So freaking depressed. Like, there were so many days I just wanted to die. There were so many days that I was like, why does my dad not love me? Why does he not call me? And then when he finally did call me, I was like, I don't want to talk to you, man. You waited right. 13 years to call me. It was like, it was just so much. And it's like, bruh, um, it, it, I think the, the hard work, it just, it just came innately. I don't, I don't know if it was just a product of my, my circumstance, or I don't know what made me drive so hard because there, there was so many moments I wanted to give up. And I still do this to this day. I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, you're going to be okay. You're going to be great. Daily affirmations. I fully believe in daily affirmations. You have to look yourself in the eye and tell yourself who you're going to be. What do you envision? This moment is only temporary. I can get past this moment. It's okay. If it, like, bruh, I used to be so freaking depressed as a kid. And I think that's why I'm so positive now. It, it's like, I, people say I have like a kid-like mentality or energy and I sometimes think it's because I didn't have it as a kid like and it's driven me to work so hard man like I've had so many before the age of 13 14 I had like four or five jobs by the time I was 15 16 I was working doing tutoring 
I tried to go for a position at McDonald's, didn't get accepted to McDonald's, so I started tutoring. I was always working, bro. Always working. I've been working my Damn. whole entire life since six, bro. Actually, I think the longest period of time I'd had with no work was three months since like age six, seven, bro. Like really, like real talk. Now that I really think about it, there's been never been a time that I didn't have a job for more than three to four months ever since like age six, seven. I was always trying to make money somehow, somewhere. Always somehow, somewhere. Whether the right way, wrong way, it just didn't. I was young, stupid, grew up in New York, so like, Dude. bro. I didn't. <laughs> no, man, that's heavy. And I, it's funny the the podcast before you, Rob. For people listen. That's the one before this. He was just bodybuilder, shredded all this good stuff. And Nate, like you, you I didn't know he grew up homeless till till nine, ten, eleven, twelve. All this shit. And I can tell you, I'm the opposite of you guys. I got everything handed to me, and the the bill will always come due, whether it's when you're six packing the bags when I was 25 and I had to be, oh, fuck, I got to grow up and be a man. That that taking responsibility, I think it's so much better to take it as a young kid, whether you're forced on it, whether you, it sucks for, for, for you have to pack the bags. Because trust me, man, being a 26-year-old baby, I was like, what the fuck? Like, I got to I gotta learn everything now? It's like it's like going backwards. Um, Now, yeah, you had, a, you had a kid at 19, you said? Yes. Yeah, my daughter when I was 19. Is this before or after the Navy? You went to the Navy after? This, yeah, I went to the Navy afterwards. Dude, you had like a, a whole movie happen to you before 25. How, how did that whole thing look like? What made you want to go to the Navy? <laughs> so this is a crazy, this is another crazy story. So um, I had the, so when I, I moved to Florida, so what happened? Okay, so. I was living in Buffalo. I was doing college up in Buffalo. I was living with my daughter and everything like that. I came down to Florida because my all my family had moved to Florida. Everybody. I was like one of the last people left in, in um, New York. And I came to Florida because my mom always had a problem, alcohol, opioids. I mentioned that before. Um, she always had problems. And they were like, yo, Chad, whenever you're around, you have your daughter around, she's so much better. Your mom is so much better. And I always felt like, I, yo, it's crazy. I always, I always say, I have to be the guy. It always has to be me. It has to be me. I feel like it always has to be Chad. I have to do it. I have to be the one to do it. And I've come to terms with that. Like This is a little digression, but I've come to terms that God or the universe, it gives me things that only I can handle. And I've come to that conclusion that anything that's in front of me, any type of challenge that's in front of me is because I can handle it and nobody else can handle it. And when I look at it with that perspective, it helps me accomplish every challenge. But um, get back to the topic. Once I came down to Florida, it was like, the problems started happening again. And then once that happened, I took my whole entire family, moved out, took custody of my youngest brother. And this is like at age like 23. And then at this point, like it's me and my middle brother taking care of my youngest brother while my girls live in the house with my daughter. And we're all in, trying to make this work together. And we're doing a really good job. But then it got to a point where my brother, he got into an altercation, ended up getting arrested. And that changed everything. All of a sudden, our income dropped by one third. And when our income dropped by one third, shit hit the fan really bad, really, really bad, really bad. Like, and my best friend at the time, he was like, I'm joining the military, man. And I'm like, yo, bro, I have no money. I'm taking the bus and bike to work every, like, every single day. I have absolutely nothing. I'm trying my best and I'm not getting anywhere. And I will, and I'll never forget this conversation because this is, this is, this is a, oh, a very big pivotal moment for me. I, I remember I went, me and my friend had just played basketball. We went to go play basketball. We went to 7-Eleven, which is like a little mobile mart or whatever. And we went to go buy some stuff. And he's like, okay, you going to buy anything? And I'm like, uh, I was like, I was about to buy some peanuts. 
but I'm like, it's two for a dollar. I'm like, yo, I need the four dollars for the bus tomorrow. That's how broke I was. I was like, I need the four dollars for the bus tomorrow. I'm not gonna spend a dollar on peanuts. Like literally, that's how broke I was. He's like, all right, bro. He's broke too, so he's like, he'll buy his little thing. And then I was like, yo, fuck. And I'm like, yo, I'm about to join the navy. This is about to be amazing. Whatever. I'm about to change my family's life because we're struggling hard, bro. And um, and then in that moment, I got a phone call. And it was my mom. My mom would call me. And it was the first time in a year I'd spoken to her because I had, like, excommunicated her after I took custody of my brother after that big giant fallout. And she was like, yo, Chad, um, I heard that your brother, he's doing a lot better in school. Your firstborn, I always knew it would be you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. I love you. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you for being my firstborn son. Thank you. Even though things were not good, you tried your best. Thank you. Thank you. All it was, thank you, thank you, thank you. And because I went through all the shit I'd gone through with my family and everything like that. I was like, sure, mom, sure, sure, brush her off. Sure, yeah, sure, whatever, I don't care. Sure, sure, sure. And um, and I was like, okay, I, it's crazy. I still remember what this guy was like that day. Um, and then the very next week she was in a coma and my mom died and that was the end. Um, I went to the military and damn, I need a moment. <laughs> um, yeah, that shit sucked, that shit sucked. Um, and that was pivotal for me. That changed everything, everything, everything. Because I held a grudge. And it was the first time in my life that I realized that grudges are everything, man. Negativity, negativity will destroy you, destroy you. And it was, hold up, one second, one second, one second, one second. You're good, let man. My, let me get my energy back, let me get my energy back. Let me get my Dude, energy you're, back. you're um, good, Chad. And just so you know, this is that anger is an issue that I, like I saw my dad for the first time three months ago, and I can't get over it, too. I still, I felt like you in your 20s. I got to get past that. How, how, is, how, talk, talk, talk to me I'm about this. You, what was that movement I'm, I'm, like? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you how to get past that because I learned how to get past that. Um, I went to a very dark place for a long time because I excommunicated the most important person to me. And then I lost them after that. And I had to really do internal thinking to try to understand. And I re and that's what it was, understanding. Um, the people, Gary V says this, Gary V says this really well. People that say negative things towards you or people that portray negativity or they hurt you or animosity, anything that comes negative from a person, you don't respond with negativity. That is the worst thing that you can do. The best thing that you can do is try to have perspective and understand it. Why are they so hurt that they're inflicting that pain upon you? And the instant that I changed that perspective from a perspective of, of you hurt me, you hurt me, you hurt me, you hurt me, this hurts, this hurts, this hurts, to why, why are you hurting so bad? Why can't I see this through your eyes? Because when I look at kids and when a kid does something wrong or they hurt someone by accident, did you mean to do that? No, I didn't want to do that. I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to be this person. And I would assume the same thing about most stable-minded adults. You don't want to hurt anybody. You don't mean to do these things. But the product of our environment and the product of the, the, of the encounters, our relationships, sometimes warps our minds and makes us this thing that we never, this, this, this negative, this, this thing so far from, I would say human, that we start portraying this negativity on other people and and it all comes from the, our situations and our environments that we fail to understand of why it made us this way or why did it make us so close to to positive or empathy empathy it makes us so close to empathy and i think that's the biggest thing because 
when people show negativity, they lack the empathy to understand how it hurts that person and how, like, what that person's perspective is now for the rest of their life because you're negative towards them. Like, they lack that empathy. And when I started thinking, I'm like, damn, why did my mom, why, why did I go through this? Why did my mom go, like, why did she go down this opioid crisis? Why was all this happening? Where was all this pain coming from? When I finally took the time to try to understand that, I felt liberated. I wasn't, I was no longer mad at my dad. Even though my dad didn't talk to talk to me, like he tried to talk to me when I was 13. Then he started talking to me after my mom passed away. I had so much resentment, like how you did. But then I I I started reaching out to more sides of his family to try to understand the person he was, how he grew up, his father, how his father was. Because people don't want to hurt people. People don't innately want to do that. It's it it's it's sometimes it somehow comes from a byproduct of our society or our situations. And um, when I fully try to understand that about how his father wasn't really there, but they were also, they were both really hardworking people. My father was actually a personal trainer and I never knew that. He was very heavy into fitness, which makes me also partially think that mindset is part genetics, part genetics, and also part environment. Um, and he was very driven, very well driven, but he was very free spirited. And, um, and all of that combined with the situation growing up in poverty and everything caused him to like run away from my mom, not being ready and all that stuff. And maybe the lack of his father not being there. But now I'm not saying I'm making excuses for him, but now it gives me a little bit more perspective mm-hmm. because I understand those things as an adult, the pain of those things or the pain of feeling like you're trapped and you don't know what to do. And you start breaking down and you're like, why? Like that pain, I understand that pain so much more because I try to understand it. I try to feel other people's pain. Um, one of my friends makes fun of me. He's like, he calls me empath- em- empathetic chat. He's like, Chad, you got me stop being so empathetic, but I think, I think my empathy is what made me, has gotten me to where I am today, that I started becoming, rather than being hateful, I want to understand more. I want to understand what drives your pain. Why are you the way that you are? Why, why is it that you're negative or why can't you understand the reason why people do that? Why do you got to talk crap about the way people are wearing their clothes? Do you not realize that, I don't want to say I don't, I don't want to jump too crazy into this topic, like school shootings and all this, the mentality breakdown of a kid, like, what are they going through at home emotionally? What are they going through school emotionally? What, how are they being broken down by their society that people are not paying attention to? And I think when you start to look at those things from a bigger aspect, I think when you start empathizing more and realize how important those things are about like, just caring for other people and not trashing people for the way that they are especially in those develop, developmental stages of life yeah. is so freaking crucial man like i i i love my son man i, I think i i it's so it's so weird because i had my daughter at such a young age that i wasn't able to study i don't want to say study but it's, it's funny because i study my son i study his mannerisms and i try to understand that the, the psychology of his evolution of like how he does things and what he innately does because it, it it speaks human to me like how humans normally act if they're not guided 100%. And you realize when you look at kids, if I take 30 little kids, 33 to five-year-olds, and I put them all together, first thing you're going to do is start playing around, having fun. Like they just, they just want to live and be happy. And even when a kid gets in trouble, like they can get in trouble. You can yell at them one second. Next thing they're doing, they're looking for happiness again. And it made, it made me really understand that it's all about positivity, man, and empathy, understanding of kisses you cry, they pat you on the back, are you crying? They, they just want to, it's empathy, man. It's all about empathy, positivity. Those are the, that shit is powerful, bro. It yeah, changes bro. everything. Yeah, I think, I think em- empathy is the, is the path to humility, which is just one mm-hmm. of the most underrated virtues 
in today's society, particularly when you're a man, right? It's about power I'm mm-hmm. and this ego thing. And I think me and Chad have related a lot with this New York shit of like, I, I, it sounds like, uh, cause I, I, the Italian kids would call it getting your balls busted as a kid. It's like, yeah, I get, yeah, I, 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 I get it. And I'm cool with it. We do it to our cousins, but it's like, yo, that shit leaves like some sort of mark there. I think a lot of insecure dudes started this like decades ago. Cause every generation I see it getting more diluted. We're like my little cousins now that they're 17, 18. And they're like, I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to bust your balls. Cause, cause like, I, I, I get it. It's a form of love that you're conditioned to, but it's like, why don't we just love each other instead instead of yeah. bust the balls? You know, it's funny. It, it's funny. It's funny in the moment. It is funny, but we do have to realize when, when lines are crossed. And I, because even in New York, we call it, well, we used to call it cutting ass on each other. We cut yes. ass on each other. And it's like, there's a certain limit. There has to be a certain limit. And you have to realize when you've pushed past that limit for a person. And because it's all fun and games, right? We're guys. We like to force around. We like to joke. But the instant that, you realize you hurt somebody with your words. I think we need to be more, we need to take more ownership of that. It shouldn't be, man, you shouldn't be so soft. Like, I understand, like, the world is really cruel and you shouldn't really accept what other people say about you. You should form your own idea for yourself. But if someone tells you you're clumsy or this enough times, you will believe it and it will become your life. And it, that is the most, that, that is, I, that, I believe that 1000%. If you believe it, it will happen. Like my middle brother, for some time, he was involved in gangs. He's like, nobody loves me. This is that. And he had this very specific mindset. And he literally created that. He literally created that exact realm for himself. And I was doing the opposite at that time. I was growing communities. I was trying to be positive. And that magnified 10 times. And he was doing negativity and it magnified 10 times. Now he's doing a lot better. And he's realizing the more positivity he does. It, it's magnifying. And it just goes to show that mindset is everything. And if you break down someone's mindset, it's gonna it's gonna affect them for the rest of their life the way that they view themselves. And if you can't view yourself in a positive light, you will have so much trouble accomplishing almost anything you go after because you will doubt yourself at every single corner. You'll second guess every single corner. You'll wonder what people are thinking about you. You will, if you're trying to do business on social media, you'll never survive because there's always gonna be critiques. Gary Gary B, I just sixteen he says fourteen to sixteen percent are gonna be negative comments, especially as you start doing good. If you can't deal with that, like. <sighs> But you got to be strong-minded. You got to understand who you are. Like the cutting ass and all that. Yeah, it does make you a little bit strong-minded. But everybody has a breaking point. Everybody has something that they're insecure about. And it's the wrongest thing in the world to pick on other people's insecurity, especially when you know that's their insecurity. Um, But empathy, empathy, man. Empathy, man. It's everything. Like I'm not trying to... I don't know to your viewers or anything. I'm not trying to sound soft or anything like that. But it's called being a human being and respecting the way that other people feel. Like... If you just straight up told me, like, yo, chill out, bro, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to be like, ah, look at you. Why are you feeling some type of way? Like, because that's the first thing people say, why are you feeling some type of way? They're laughing in your face like it's a joke or something. Like, your feelings are a joke. My feelings are not a joke. Yeah, I feel feel it's not a joke. No, like, Chad, I'm I'm with you. Bro. And if anybody <laughs> fucking says something to Chad, I'll smack the shit at you. So, you know, so don't, 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 don't let, don't let the soft, two, two soft dudes, don't, we got a little hardness in us. And. That, that piece that you're saying is such a crucial thing that I started realizing when I spoke to psychologists, these meditation guys, that you, whatever you're thinking, that is your reality. That is scientifically proven at this point because whatever you're, whatever you're thinking, well, nobody loves me, all of a sudden, your reticular activating system is going to be shooting that off to see it. So you'll only be seeing the shit that you're thinking. So just by making that shift, that's such an interesting thing that you realize that like on the fly between you and your brother. Because I, I, I even this year, I learned that the hard way. Like I was just feeling that way. I'm like, fuck, that's what I'm seeing. Because what, what are people going to react? Usually if you're feeling that way, you're a little bit distant. You're a little bit angry. 
That's what you'll see. And then you'll get that back. And then you're in this fucking never ending thing cycle. People live their lives this way. Yeah. I call it being tuned in. It's like, it's a radio station. It's literally a radio station. Mm-hmm. I, imagine this. Let's say you go into a club, you go into a club, you're mad happy. You're having a good night. Like, bro, like you're tuned into positivity. Everything on that night is going to be amazing for you. But conversely, if you had an argument or something with someone and you're like going out and if that is still bothering you, that means you're tuned into negativity. Is you walk into that room like why that person looking at me like that? Damn, this music sucks. Damn this. Damn. You're going to start looking for shit to complain yeah. about. It's like you're tuned into negativity. And I call that the downward spiral. It's a downward spiral. And I like to counteract that with an upward spiral. Like it is possible to upward spiral. I don't think enough people talk about that enough or think about that enough. Like there is a way to do that. Like once you t- tune into one thing that's positive, try to change that to the next thing positive. Try to change it again. How how can we domino affect this? We're so good at domino affecting negative shit. How can we domino affect positive things? How can we keep the positive things rolling? Um, what do you call it? So I, it it's crazy. There's a lot of dyna- a lot of dynamics to it. But yeah. I, I think it's, Man, I, I digress. I lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> no, oh, t- I was. I want to know about. I want to know about when, because it sounds like were you doing a lot of fitness in the toilet? When did you start the fitness journey, particularly the calisthenics? With calisthenics specifically, technically speaking, my journey did begin with calisthenics, but I just knew it was that calisthenics. I was like, oh, push-ups, pull-ups, dips, and like I just did the basics because I couldn't lift weights when I was thirteen because I tried to lift weights. I told you couldn't bench the bar, forty-five pound bar, couldn't bench the bar. Um, just a little progress note on that. I was able to bench 315 one day. But that there was, we go. That's <laughs> I started at 45, went to 315, took many years, but that's a long story. Um, but yeah, it just started when I was like 13, 14. And then when I got, when I went to the Navy, that's when things kind of changed a little bit. Um, so after my mom died, I went to the Navy. And when I went to the Navy, I wanted to be a SEAL at some point. I have this very big complex of being competitive. Once I started realizing if I work hard enough, I could take people's spots, I became competitive as hell. Because I realized the name of the game is consistency. And every time they don't show up and I show up, I win. I win every single time. Yep. I don't care how talented they are. I pray to God they take days off. When I was in high school and my boys used to miss practice, like, just go. They miss practice. Let's go. Like, like I know it's fucked up because our team does worse, but it made me realize oh, I can get better than them. This is my opportunity. Um, so when I wanted to be a SEAL, I always wanted to achieve for the best. So I was living in Oceanside, California, and I was running four miles to Camp Pendleton every day. And then I'd go swim for a little bit and then run four miles back home. And I'm not a great swimmer, unfortunately, stereotypically speaking, even though I passed my Navy test. But I wanted to be a SEAL, so I'm like, I got to make myself waterproof. So every single day I'm running, swimming. First day, first week, I go to the pool. I'm pretending to almost drown a little bit because it's Camp Pendleton, which is a Marine base. I want the Marines to see me failing a little bit. So you be like, what's wrong with you, bro? You gotta do this. I, want, I wanted to get advice without asking for advice. So I made it purposely look like <laughs> I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So they could be like, give me some advice. And they actually did give me advice because they saw how strong I was. Marines loved me, which because being in the Navy, they're like, oh, Navy weak. And they see how strong I was like, oh, shit, look, strong Navy guy. That's rare. So I um, wanted to be a SEAL. And I started training. I, and in between that run, there was a park. And I went to this park and I'd go do some pull-ups every now and then and continue my run. And one day I ran into this kid and he's like, yo, you're trying to do a muscle-up? Because I was trying to do a muscle-up. I'm like, yeah. And he showed me this video on YouTube and I was like, all these guys doing calisthenics. I'm like, yeah, bro, I got to do that because I want to be a SEAL. So I got to do more calisthenics, bodyweight training. And he's like, yo, bro, I train here every day. I was like, all right. Every day that I come running through here, I'll train with you. So I started like running to the park every day. We started training together. 
And one thing led to another, led to another. And all of a sudden I was going up to LA to these calisthenic meetups and um, going to Muscle Beach. And then people started asking me like, yo, you a trainer? You a trainer? You mad fit, bro? You a trainer? I'm like, no, I'm in the military. What's a trainer? Like, I didn't, mm-hmm. I don't know what a trainer is. They're like someone who trains people and makes money just to tell them to exercise. I'm like, that's a thing. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like popping my mind. I'm like, that's a thing. Like people will pay me to show them exercises. I didn't know that was a job. Like I'm, I'm a kid in the Bronx. I don't, all I know is like, nine to five little simple job like i didn't know any of that bro i didn't get taught any of that i just got taught hustle um so that led the way into calisthenics even deeper because after i left the military i came back home to florida and i was already like a year into calisthenics two years into calisthenics gave up my seal dream because i was like man i just want to work on me because i i don't know i started falling in love with working on me and i became a personal trainer and one day some guy saw me doing handstand push-ups in the gym and he was like, yo, you do gymnastics? I was like, nope, I don't do gymnastics. I don't know what that is. Like, really? He's like, yo, come be a gymnastics coach. I'm like, I don't know what you, I can't do that. I don't do gymnastics. He's like, but if you can do handstand, handstand push-ups, and you learn that from YouTube, and you learn that from other people, you can teach anybody. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to make this transition from being a personal trainer into a gymnastics coach. And that kind of like excelled everything because gymnasts are body weight gods. If you look at that, yeah. I saw you doing backflips. Right yeah, before. I was doing <laughs> so, oh, here's, here's a funny story. I hate flipping. I hate flipping. I'm scared of flipping. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's ridiculously high risk, low reward. And this is not to talk down of all my friends who do circus. I got friends who do circus, disley, and all this crazy stuff. And I have amazing friends that do crazy flips. I, for me personally, I think flips are high risk, low reward because I can do three thousand backflips, and if I mess up on one backflip, there goes my ankle for three months. I can do three thousand pushups. I'm pretty damn sure I won't get hurt on my 3,000 push-ups. <laughs> like, that's the, way, that's the way that I look at it. Like, I'll get my gains. I'll get stronger and everything. But I, I don't like flipping. I'm older now, and I'm like, eh, injuries take longer to heal. Like, I'll do front flips all day long because I feel very confident with them. Like, I was just doing front flips last night. We were playing tic-tac-toe front flip game. If you guys know my stories, you probably see it. <laughs> so, yeah, man. And that led the way into calisthenics. And then – that kind of grew on me. I started getting better at calisthenics because it was gymnastics coaching, started coaching competitively. And then I had this idea, this really big idea, because I saw a whole bunch of movement in the city of Orlando. We have we have Disney, we have Universal, we have these stunt, these stunt, um, what do you call it? These stunt shows that go on in Disney Universal. There's a lot of movement here. And I've been to San Diego, I've been to LA, I've been to Chicago, I grew up in New York, I've been to Miami. All these major cities have these crazy calisthenics or fitness communities. And I was pissed the hell off that Orlando has movement culture, but they have no movement community. And I was like, Chad, you got to be that guy again. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to put it on social media. I'm going to show up at this park once once a week at this park, and I'm going to work out. And one person showed up, a couple friends, and then it grew into one thing. And then I gave up because all my friends quit on me. And then I was like, I'll try again because one of my friends said, no, you got to keep trying. And then I tried again. And then everyone quit on me again, but my really good friend said, no, keep doing this calisthenics thing. Keep trying to spread it to more people. I, he had to go travel the world and do his own thing. He's like, what you're doing is the right thing, Chad. I believe in you. Just keep going with it. I was like, fine, bro. Everyone's going to give up again, but fine. I'll keep going. I'll keep going. I'll keep going. And I was doing it by myself. And then people started showing up. More people started showing up. And then I grew the calisthenics community here in Orlando. Like, I, I'm not even going to say I think. I am the face of calisthenics in Orlando. <laughs> I am. I I can, I can, I think, no, I don't want to say I think. I, I know that without a shadow of a doubt. When people say calisthenics, like people know about me in Orlando for calisthenics. Like I've brought the community together and continuing to bring the community together. I don't see anybody, I don't see anybody in all of the U.S. doing this. 
Like if, if you guys on this podcast, if you guys see anybody in the U.S. that's doing free community meetups for fitness, please comment or something because I'm looking for someone to model off of. And one of my boys said, if I have no one to model off of and we're doing good like this, that's amazing because that means I'm going in the right direction. Nice. And I'm like, bro, I'm very good at studying others and learning from them and modeling. And I have nothing to model and I don't know what I'm doing. Like, we're just growing and growing. But that's another story. That's another business story of like what I got to figure out next for my community. But that's that that to me is amazing. That's my calisthenics journey. Yeah. How I went to calisthenics, man. What do you think it is about calisthenics for you? Because you could have went at it. You could have done powerlifting, bodybuilding, cross. But what do you think it is about calisthenics? What do you think is so enticing about it for others? Let me start with the first fact. First fact is it's very show offy. It's very, because <laughs> every 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 guy who's listening to this right now, they want to do a handstand because it looks cool as hell, or you want to do a flip because it looks cool as hell. And it's like, I think there's that aspect, there's the wow aspect, but then at the same time, for me, it's something that looks impossible. It looks very unattainable. Like for me, benching. It's like, okay, I just put another number on. I put another number on the bar. I put another number on the bar. And it just keep going up from there. With calisthenics, it's like, okay, I learned this skill. But because I know this skill, this kind of ties into this skill. So I might be able to do this if I keep working on this. And it leads to things that you see, but you don't really know if you can attain. But if you keep working on it, all of a sudden you're able to attain so much more. It's almost like I got better at pull-ups. I always wanted to muscle up, but I couldn't muscle up. But I was like, damn, I can't muscle up. So I'm going to work, keep working on pull-ups, blah, 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 work on this, work on this. It's like a skill so track. Like yeah, it's like a skill tree. Like I, I, I relate it to video games. It's almost like I'm building a classic yeah. character and fun, and this is connected to everything else. Yeah, the and, muscle up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I got yeah, because I was doing muscle ups, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'm able to do close grip muscle ups. I tried that three months ago. I couldn't do that, but because I worked on this, I'm able to do this. And it, it spoke to me about how life speaks to me. Like weightlifting, of course, is really nice and everything like that, but. The way it works in life is that if you work really hard in one aspect, it can tie into every other aspect of your life if you know how to channel it the right way. And when I started working really hard at certain things in calisthenics, it started channeling into different skills and different capabilities for myself. And then once I saw it that way, it's like you envision yourself doing a handstand. Like, that'd be really cool. And then you work on it and then you're able to do it. And then it's like, okay, I can apply this to business now. I can see it. I can see myself doing this crazy thing. And then it it, it kind of, it just, it, I just like how it applies to almost everything that I do in terms of like life and everything in life from relationships to business to everything. I can almost equate it to calisthenics in a way that you start off foolish or not really understanding. So you dip your toes in the water, you're kind of unsure, but you keep trying because you want it to work and you have this vision of something greater and then you just keep working on it and all of a sudden you can do it but because you can do it all of a sudden you can do all these other things that you didn't know were tied to this and it's like whoa i can pour into this now and i can take this that's what i love about calisthenics it's just the the, the tree the tree it's like a growing tree and i think it's so amazing how would you suggest if somebody wanted because I, I before we we chatted i was like oh let me just see what i can learn about this i've dabbled in the basic stuff but like where would you how does somebody start uh, so first off, the basics. I think the basics are very crucial. Um, Pull-ups, push-ups, dips, mastering those skills. I would not say those are basics, though. I would say those are beginners, beginner skills. I have a very big philosophy, a well, big, very big standpoint, excuse me, of the difference between basic and beginner. Basic, I think, is anything that I can grab, like, a five-year-old kid, and they should be able to do 
automatically. Like, you should be able to hold yourself up on a bar. You should be able to do those things. I think as adults, we decondition ourselves and some of the things that are basic become unbasic. But like learning to hang from a bar, that's basic. Like pull-ups, I can say that's a beginner skill. It's a little bit above basic because most people, like you lose that ability really freaking fast. If you're not playing around at the playground. Like most adults can't do more than five pull-ups. Like I'm going to probably speak for 50% of Americans are either fat or obese, unfortunately. So that means... 50% of Americans are not athletic. And then, so if you correlate that, that should equate to more than 50% of Americans can't do more than three to five pull-ups. So how many Americans can do three to five pull-ups? We're talking about like probably the 30%, 30, 20, might even less than that, 20%. How many can do more than 10 pull-ups? We're talking about probably like less than 10, 15% of the country. My son can probably do like eight pull-ups right now. And he's like, it, it's, it's just crazy. Start with the basics. Start with push-ups, start with pull-ups, start with dips. Once you start mastering those skills and you're start starting to able to do more than 10, 15 of those, I would say start trying to mess around with single arm variations of those skills or start mm. trying to dabble in handstands or different positions using the wall. Um, start seeing if you can add do weighted calisthenics because weighted calisthenics has a very big turnover in terms of explosiveness and also mind the body control because usually when you add weight into calisthenics, it's more pressure on your core and it just builds more body, more bodily awareness. I think stick with the basics first, push-ups, pull-ups, dips, and then start messing around with other variations you see. Like, there, once you master those, there's so many different directions you can go. Like, I can say, once you master push-ups, you can start working on one-arm push-ups, or you can start working on archer push-ups going side to side. There's, like, so many different routes you can go. But definitely, if, you can, if you're looking to learn more advanced calisthenics skills, you have to get good at push-ups. I'm saying, like, you should be able to do more than 15 to 20 push-ups before you start looking at advanced calisthenics. If you're looking for more advanced pull-up skills, like muscle-ups and stuff, you need to make it to 10 to 15 pull-ups. If you're looking for more advanced leg exercises, you need to be able to do more than 20 to 30 squats. You need to be able to squat your body weight really easily. Like, body weight on a bar. I still consider even weighted squats, that it's a body weight skill. You're just adding weight to it, right? Mm -hmm. um, you, should, you, you need to be able to master these basics before you start going on to pistol squats and other variations like that. I think mastering those little things is very important. And a very big problem is that we try to rush. We think that this is a race against everybody else around us, but actually it's a race against yourself. And when you realize that you, you, be, you become more intentional, you become more intentional of how you do things. And I think that's very, very important because when I was rushing, I wasn't, I wasn't caring about form. I was like, go, 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 we'll fix it later. But if you can be intentional, while you're going through the process, you'll build so much more. Be so much. It, it, it creates so much more. I say ROI, more way more return on investment in terms of your calisthenic skills if you if you're more intentional with your reps. I know that was a little bit of a long answer, but no, push dude, that's what I want to hear. Push the yeah, dips, push pull up dips, squats, master those. And you're and saying then, you don't got to do a not a certain set to get to a timing. You're saying just get to a just bang them out. I'd say everything I always do is always three to four sets, three to four sets. Three, four sets. I, I, when I, when I first started off, everything was four sets. Now I only, uh, my main exercise, like I, I train differently now because now I'm on a more athletic level and my more skills that I want to really master. I usually do four to five sets of those things. More of my supplemental work, I'm doing two to three sets of those things because they kind of help the major skills but they're just more supplemental. I care more about my major skills, such as different handstand variations, different front lever, back lever variations. I know that might be a little jargon for some people. Um, you guys can Google that stuff. Um, what do you call it? I care more about those big skills, so I'll train those four to five sets, but all the little accessory stuff, like maybe curls and stuff, I'm only doing like three sets of that stuff because it's not, it's not, con it, it's, uh, it's not 
mandatory for what I'm really trying to attain. I think your your main goal with fitness, figure out what you want first. Mm-hmm. Like, is your main goal the muscle up? Okay, then you need to be focusing more on pull. You should be doing pull two to three times a week. You should probably be doing four sets of, we should we need, we need to be doing four to five sets of pull-ups. You got to really think, what do you want? And then how can we, like, look at the end goal first? And then how can we backtrack from that end goal? What do we need to work on the most in order to achieve that? And then once we start achieving that, we can scale back a little bit and then start focusing on something else. It's like, I don't know. Just, just focus. It's, I feel like it's almost like anything else in life. You, you give attention towards what you want to master, and once you master it, you're not going to lose it because you've mastered it, and you're probably going to keep up with it because, damn, I just heard a quote about this. Uh, people only, people only do what they can, what they can sustain for themselves. You're not going to do something that you can't sustain for yourself because it just doesn't make sense. Like if a diet or something just doesn't make sense to it, you're not going to do it for more than like a month or whatever, whatever. But if you're someone who loves seafood or whatever, 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 a low calorie pescatarian diet, you might be like, yo, that shit might work for me because I love seafood or whatever, because it falls within you. So it has to like, it has to fit towards you. So if your main goal is better squats and you want pistol squats, then you need to be doing working on that two to three times a week. You need to, that need squats and single squat variations need to be your four to five sets. Like there's this thing called the rule of specificity. What you work on, you get better at. It's freaking common. It, I don't want to say common sense, but it's, the human body is the most adaptable thing on the face of life. I don't want to say most adaptable thing, but really freaking adaptable. What you expose it to, it will get better at besides lack of sleep and lack of water. You can't, you can't adapt to the lack of those. Um, your body's really, 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 really hell bounce on those. So um, what do you call it? Just focus. I think, I think too many people, especially me in my beginning stages, I was trying to achieve too many things. When I became more intentional and more refined about, ooh, I want to get better at my weighted pull-ups because mm. I think that would tie into everything else. Yeah, I started seeing drastic changes. I think be intentional, have a game plan, know what you want, work backwards from that. Beautiful, man. Now, you're right. Are you just doing strictly calisthenics with a chest like that? Because it's kind of unbelievable. Right now, my lifting routine is about like 75 to 80% calisthenics, uh, 20% weightlifting. I think one of the worst things that you can ever do is become one one dimensional. And I, I do have a corrective exercise background, and this is really, really big. I don't this is my opinion of course i don't think any kid who goes into sports should start with a very specific sport i think baseball football soccer sports like that are too darn specific and it teaches a very specific pattern of motion and most kids do not stay in the sport that they start in and a lot of kids who stay in that sport is because their parents force them into that sport and keep them in that sport for way too long and they build resentment within that sport but that's a whole other story but you build up these patterns that are not generalize enough i think dance martial arts and gymnastics are the best because you learn proprioception and understand your body really well and then it's easier to transition into the sport in my experience teaching kids gymnastics the easiest kids to teach are dancers and martial artists but if i go into if i go into football and i'm a football coach now if i get a dancer martial artist or gymnast they will learn a lot faster than i get a kid who learn who get baseball first or soccer they have a right. better understanding of their body. If I say you got to break down like this, technique like this, those martial artists, gymnasts, and dancers, they just understand where to put their body and how to squeeze their body. The soccer player doesn't understand that. Like they, they might do it good, but they won't do it as good as those other athletes because they have a better understanding of their body. Um, so I'm very, very, very big on movement-based first and then using what you learn to incorporate, like try to incorporate as much as you can. Be as multidimensional as you can. Uh, I think like, 
even if you see like fighters or you know, like or I remember I heard before like football players doing yoga classes and all these other things because the worst thing you can ever do is be one dimensional. Like the more versatile you are, the more tools in your toolbox, athletically you'll be so much better. Like, and this is to anybody who plays any sport, like, yes, be sport specific, but there's also probably something that you can work on that ties into your sport that can make you so much better at your sport. Uh, a really good friend of mine, he went to Oklahoma University, and he said that one of the strongest guys he had ever met on rings figured out how to combine weight training and ring training. Like, he was doing ring training, calisthenics, but he's also doing a lot of weight training. And he became one of the strongest people in the country on rings. Don't know the guy's name, but freaking, he mentioned that to me. He's like, and that clicked in my mind. I'm like, versatility is key the, the, like, Always. yes yeah. master some stuff versatility is everything i think the better you can pivot and the more tools you have in your bag the better off you're going to be because if you meet someone who has that same amount of talent in as you and is putting just as much work as you what's going to be what's going to what's going to make what's going to make the difference what's going to make the difference the person that's more versed or the person that's just, like we're just stuck to one thing but you guys are equally talented what, what's the what's the change what's the what makes the difference right so i think versatility don't conform to just one thing just because don't listen to, I, I don't ever believe there's one way to do that one something I, I hate when people say that oh calisthenics you got to be doing calisthenics crossfit is horrible i'm like yo i've met some crossfitters that are insanely strong that like it is mind-blowing strong mind-blowing i hate how much crap people talk about crossfit i'm like yo i got a crossfitter over here who i met bro you look at what he does you be like respect respect like like it's insane and it's like I, I don't understand why people talk about crossfit there's gonna be someone who comments crossfit the crossfit nah bro go meet elite crossfit athletes and, and you've never met a person who weighs 220 pounds who can run a 40 yard dash and freaking like four point bro that's scary scary mm -hmm. I mean, you've never met someone who weighs 220 pounds who can overhead press 315 pounds. bro that's scary stuff yes. very scary stuff and they are if you look at crossfit athletes they're very um what do you call it? They have multiple different skills, multiple different skills. I have mad respect for CrossFit, mad respect for CrossFit, um, especially on that elite level. Very, 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 very intense sport and also requires a lot of versatility, a lot of versatility. Um, but yeah, I think be, be as versatile as you can be. Try to, try to pick up on as much as you can, but master the things that you want to master. There's nothing wrong with learning a little bit of everything. Actually, Damn, that reminds me of a really good quote from one of my friends in college. Hit it. He said, uh, "He because you say you don't. He people used to say you or you want to be a jack of all trades. No, you don't want to be a jack of all trades. You want to be a jack of all trades who masters some. Because if you can master a few things, but you still have those jack of all trades, it gives you the ability to pivot. It just gives you the ability to pivot in in, in other ways that other people can't. Who've just been too specific. Uh, Gary Vee talks about it all the time. You can't get too stuck in one thing. You've got to be ready to pivot at every single moment. Like." The attention is always going to be moving. You've got to be versatile. Versi if you look at every species of animal on the face of this planet, the ones that survive are the ones that adapt and are versatile. The more versatile you have, it, it, it just works. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, works. A, there's a book about the story of the greats, and that's what exactly what they say is that they're they're extremely good in everything, but they have one or two things that they're the the best of the best in Gretzky with scoring Jordan with his you know his mindset mm -hmm. all these little things that's like how, how you'd break it down man damn son Chad this was a lot of fun brother dude thank you you so much for, for joining me and just giving me a lot to to think about and to do I am adding calisthenics to my routine now that's it that's in yeah bro <laughs> it's <laughs> awesome man it, it, it was super awesome to get to meet you today man I 
I wish I could have gotten more about your background, but I'm probably watching some of your podcasts or where I can learn yeah, more about you. Um, yeah, talk. man. If you ever want to talk up again, I know I felt like I rambled on a lot. I, I know there's a couple other talking points we had to touch a little bit. Um, but man, freaking, if I can just inspire any of you guys to either A, get out, get moving, B, look into yourself more, understand yourself more, try to understand Hell the yeah. way that you, the way the reason why you feel the way that you do i think why is a very very important question you need to ask yourself a lot uh why do you do what you do why do you allow the things that happen in your life to allow them to happen because i believe we allow things to happen when we don't take grip of our lives whether it be in fitness or any other standpoint and freaking go be consistent be consistent consistency is king um i wish all you guys the best man just be consistent work hard and don't be one-dimensional. Don't be one-dimensional. There's so much more to this world than just one thing. Master some things, move on. Learn as much as you can. You only live this one life. You only live this one life, man. Thank you, Chad. And everybody could find uh, all his info below. Um, reach out to on Instagram, email, whatever that is. Um, that's it, man. Cozy Effect, thank you guys so much for joining me. And just we're going to continue this together. Chad's a cornerstone now, man. Um, as always, stay safe, stay positive, stay blessed. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.